Welcome to Digitalizing Global Trade, where we'll examine the new technologies, such as blockchain, that are revolutionizing the way we exchange goods and services. Digitalized, distributed, and disrupted. That's global trade today. With the days of simple barter behind us, everything is being tokenized and it's opening up new opportunities for international trade and transactions across countries, corporations, and communities. Thanks to new ledger technology and blockchain, supply chain management, how we regulate and how we pay for our goods are all in for a shake-up. So are digital assets the future and are we even ready for the far-reaching potential blockchain has to offer? So joining me for this fascinating deep dive into the subject, Zelda Anthony, Executive Director, DLT Strategy and Execution at Standard Chartered. Hello, Zelda. Hello. And Samuel Matthew, who is Global Head of Documentary Trade for the Transaction Banking Business of Standard Chartered. Hey, Sam, how are you? Hello, Manisha. Very well. So let's begin with you, Zelda. Blockchain, digital ledger technology. Look, it's gobbledygook to some, but there is a lot of excitement about it. Why don't you tell us about it? When I think about blockchain, and I think when we think about it within the banking industry and also our corporate customers, what we're getting really excited about is that blockchain is actually going into production this year. And that's very exciting for everybody. I mean, there have been a few networks that are up and running, but really I think 2021 is, is a key year for a lot of proof of concepts that have been done and use cases that have been explored are going into production in areas such as payments, cross-border payments, looking at things like stable coins, in trade, looking at trade finance, supply chain finance, and the, the full supply chain for commodities companies, for example, and in financial markets, there's lots of exploration around asset tokenization, CBDCs, you'll hear a lot around that, and also identity, whether that's KYC or sovereign identity. So there's a lot happening and it's becoming real. It is really not hype anymore. That's really what's exciting about it. Yeah, I get it. It's something that we were just talking about and now we see it in action in a very real and practical way. Speaking of which, Sam, let's take it to you. Where are we seeing this usage in practice? And I'm sure that digital payments will come up in this as well as, you know, the sort of implementation amongst your clients. One of the silver linings uh, of the pandemic was the expedition of everything digital, blockchain included. We did a few transactions with our clients. Um, for example, we did the first blockchain letter of credit uh, with Wally in, uh, in Malaysia for a shipment of iron ore from Malaysia to China. Prior to that, we did something with PTT for a shipment of oil from Thailand to Singapore. And this year, we're actually going live on the Contour platform, which is where the two transactions were done. We're in two markets, and we hope to see a lot of uptake from our corporate clients. So it is starting to become a lot more mainstream. It started as a trickle, and the pandemic actually has expedited that. There are 4 billion documentary pages floating in the trade space in particular. So yes, we'll see it in payments, which is already a lot more digital, but we'll see value transfer through uh, cryptos and tokens. And in the trade space, you'll see paper being replaced with blockchain ledger solutions that will drive consensus amongst the parties involved in the trade. All right. So a lot of upside potential there. You mentioned Contour. Can you explain it just a little bit more? In any trade, there are multiple parties involved, right, Manisha, from the importer, the exporter, the shipping company, importer's bank, exporter's bank, and logistics companies in between, insur insurance and so on. Typically, all of the uh, provenance and um, validation of the proof or evidencing happens via paper. Contour is a platform which leverages blockchain 
to digitize that flow end-to-end -end for a letter of credit, including all the presentation of evidence that happens uh, today via paper, but is intended to happen in a digital manner on the blockchain platform using Contour. So that's what it is. It's a network of players in the trade space, everybody coming onto the same distributed ledger platform. It uses R3 Cora as the underlying technology layer. And the idea is to make sure that there's no paper in the end-to-end -end flow, ideally speaking. And of course, with all of that upside potential of a platform like that, there is a view for Standard Chartered in terms of what it could be doing. The plan is to ramp it up in our client base. We had a large trade bank, and especially in certain corridors where we see it could potentially you know, do away with the use of paper. Of course, the ramping up and the scaling up is going to take some time. We need as many banks in it, as many importers and exporters on it. Uh, adoption of the technology itself will take some time and because there's a cost to uh, you know, getting onto the distributed ledger platform. All of that is going to take a little bit of time, but it definitely is gaining traction and we hope to see it scale up in our footprint markets. Right, over to you, Zelda. I like this word, potential. It's very positive, isn't it? What else could we be doing with blockchain? So much. And, and I think part of it is working with customers. Um, like, for example, we've been working with Ant Financial to support them with their blockchain networks, whether it's for trade or for cross-border remittances. And I think we're going to see a lot more of our customers, whether it's e-commerce or customers with large supply chains where they want to bring in all of their different component manufacturers onto a blockchain network. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And, and as a bank, we'll be supporting our customers in these blockchain projects. We're also seeing a lot more collaboration with the industry. And I, I find that really interesting. If you look at banking being a very competitive industry for quite a long time, everyone's coming together in the industry. And, and we now have even new words like co-optition, which is really about banks coming together for various initiatives. Uh, we were involved, for example, in the Ubin initiative run by MAS. So that's looking at clearing and settlement around payments and then taking that to the next level. There's a number of central banks that have projects around CBDCs and looking at things like stable coins, banking collaboration happening in that space as well. And we're very much a part of those discussions and, and contributing to the industry to improve things like cross-border payments and then how you can leverage those platforms for very exciting things like asset tokenization. One example being bond tokenization, where the idea could be that you could fractionalize bonds into smaller parts of a bond that you could then sell on. So rather than having to buy an entire bond, you can buy pieces of a bond, which opens that up not just for institutional investors, but also for retail investors. That's quite an exciting example for the industry. Zelda, this is obviously then a game-changing technology, but what are the limitations? There seem to be a lot of agencies involved still. So if there are multiple systems, how do you get to a level playing field? Yeah, and I think that is challenging. Some of the limitations are really around there are a number of different networks which kind of look like they're trying to do the same thing, you know, whether it's in the in the trade space or some of the payments initiatives. There is some work happening around interoperability, so saying how do we actually link these networks together. But I also think there's going to be some concentration of those initiatives as parties decide which one they want to bet on and which network they choose to join out of the competing initiatives. Those are, are really the challenges. And also for regulators, they're looking at this space. It's very new and they really want to provide the right guidelines to help the industry. And, and a number of regulators are working on that, which is definitely going to help the industry.
Okay, so let's talk about regulation with you, Sam. Given there are challenges, what are some of the workarounds that Standard Chartered is planning? The interoperability is the biggest hurdle right now uh, because the technology does exist, but it has evolved in the form of what I refer to as digital islands, right? Islands don't really talk to each other today. And it's the legal and regulatory around it in terms of what are the legal ramifications of a token moving from one blockchain ecosystem to the other, which could be on completely different distributed ledger technologies. That to me is, uh, is something that needs to be cracked so that it can scale up and not be limited by the ecosystem or the digital island uh, it is in. It will take a long time for all parties to get onto the same kind of digital ecosystem. So what we are doing is trying to work with the relevant parties to influence and guide and drive standardization. So we are working with the IMDA in Singapore to see whether we can you know, leverage the trade trust platform that they have come up with to drive a standard for token transfers and title transfers combined with the recent change in law where the Singapore Parliament has endorsed and passed the Electronic Transactions Act, a refresh. We were one of the first countries to do it many decades ago, and we have just recently refreshed it. So that, I think, is going to happen in a lot more markets. Regulators are going to embrace the Electronic Transactions Act, or equivalent, which will allow for digital title and token-based title transfers. That is going to drive harmonization in terms of how these things will happen globally, just like many years ago, uh, UCP, 600 was adopted by most countries. Yes, there's certainly been a lot of evolution in terms of the law. And I think there are probably laws around this that haven't yet been written because (laughs) the technology still needs to develop. On that note, development, Sam, can you paint a picture of how vastly different this space could be 10 years from now? Hmm. It could become so seamless. And and I keep going back to this example in many of my discussions. If you think about how we used to travel and book an airline ticket, 15 years ago, right? Each airline would give you a paper ticket in a slightly different form, but it assured you that when you landed up at the gate, you have a seat. And then IATA embarked on a project to completely go digital, and today you can book it online. You can just show your phone record as you go in. It is all accounted for. So there is a central registry where all the bookings are registered. As part of the booking process, you can buy insurance, which is not offered by the airline. Uh, It could be for that specific trip, it could be offered by somebody else. So I envisage a future where commercial activity is happening in uh, B2B marketplaces, where a buyer and a seller or an importer and an exporter are trading a million barrels of oil or cocoa or whatever it is. And at the click of a button, they get the financing and the financing and the underlying trade of that buy and sell all happens through a distributed blockchain or a distributed ledger with all parties in that flow connected. They could be on different uh, digital ecosystems, but interoperability would have arrived and the legal standards would have arrived and landed in such a way that it becomes a seamless transaction end-to-end for the importer and the exporter. Yep. You use this word seamless. I think of the ultimate version of connectivity between all people, actually, and seeing that represented in transactions. Zelda, what are the developments that we could see right at the cutting edge of the technology in the digital trade space where we're talking about blockchain or technology in general? What's interesting about the blockchain technology is it is now different. I mean, there are all sorts of different types of blockchain technology and lots of different parties are are working on new types. 
what we have already, you can have private networks, you can have separation of data, which is very important for, for data privacy. The speed is increasing all the time in terms of the volumes of transactions that you can do and the speed that you can do transactions. And you can have that privacy within the network. The blockchain technology is already advanced. On top of that, we have all of these development tools um, that people are building within the industry to help. And for example, we're, we're using some of these tools for our DLT on demand platform, which helps us to spin up nodes and to write smart contracts, etc. So we're already ourselves employing some of that technology for, for middleware. And then you look at all the different fintechs in the industry that are building lots of different applications for blockchain as well. So it's really about making it easier now to deploy and to use it for all the different business cases. So I think that's where we are today. If we, if we look ahead, I say the industry and the, the technology is moving very, very quickly. If we have these blockchain networks in place, some of the things that are really important is that the cost of entry into those blockchain networks is low and that it's easy for people to get involved. So whether that means you, you just need a mobile phone to get involved in a blockchain network or the costs are very low, then, then I think that will help with the take up and for people to get involved in these networks. As we get close to wrapping up the conversation, actually, Zelda, I was going to ask you, because this technology seems to be developing so quickly, how do you stay across it? What would you say to someone who was asking for help, who is saying to you, can you tell me how I keep up to date? There's lots of sites, for example, that you can look up that help with that and that cover some of the research that's happening, what different parties in the industry are doing, whether it's banks or corporates. I think that's one side. I mean, you really do have to do the research around it. There's helpful tools for that. But also, I think it's about being part of industry groups. We're part of a number of industry groups in Stand Chartered, whether that's on the technology side or on the business side. I think it's also having a group of peers that you regularly meet and, and discuss different ideas and, and keep abreast with one another of what's happening in different geographies and from different backgrounds. So things like this, I think, are, are very helpful listening to podcasts. Yeah, I think the resources are there. I mean, obviously, you've got to find the, the time during your day job to do that. But it is very important to, to keep up with that research in a, a very, very changing industry. And thankfully, you're staying ahead of the curve. Uh, just a final thought from you, Sam, and sort of similar. How do you stay up to date with what you can do with this technology? I would answer it in two parts, Manisha. One is on the professional and the corporate front. You know, how, how do we, as an institution, up the digital cushion and then the blockchain cushion within the organization and people like Zelda are examples of uh, new hires we are bringing in into the company to increase that knowledge. But the point I think Zelda was making is absolutely valid. Each of us individually have to make an effort as well. So I think keeping yourself up to date, experimenting at a personal level and reading up and talking to your clients and fintech partners is, is a way to go. I think that it's, it's a learning, it's a learning curve and all of us and institutionally, we have to learn as well. Well, it, you're quite right. It is all about learning. And the both of you have certainly put us all on the curve. Thank you so much for that. This wraps up a very, very interesting podcast. I'm Anisha Tank. And that was Zelda Anthony, Executive Director, DLT Blockchain Global Strategy and Execution at Standard Chartered, and Samuel Matthew, who heads up the documentary trade product team for the transaction banking business. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Digitalizing Global Trade, brought to you by Standard Chartered, supporting clients for over 150 years. Standard Chartered empowers businesses and inspires change by partnering with clients as they pursue digitalization. 
turning today's disruption into tomorrow's opportunity.